Well, hello and welcome to episode number 373 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show we go camping inside an Airbus which has its very own tent, a Ryanair flight decides to save on weight and leaves some passengers behind and Southwest unveil a very special livery. In the military news this week, the U.S. decide to get rid of some C-130s in a downsizing mission. Uh, the U.S. Air Force F-35s take off from the world's finest aircraft carrier. And the U.S. Air Force signs a contract for ultra-short takeoff aircraft. So joining me this week, as always, here with me in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, it is the master of all things slidey tech and... Twiddly knobs, it is Matt Smith. Oh, he's never here then? Oh, that's good. I'll go and have a lie down. Excellent. <laughs> Indeed. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah. How are you? You've had a really busy week this week, haven't you? Yeah, it's been quite a full on week. Yes. Yeah, um, quite a lot of stuff being visited you twice this week. It's just, it's, uh, we had, we, I had I had tea at Carlos's house. It was very you, nice. You had uh, an evening meal, didn't you? I did, you? absolutely. Yeah. I had a, bit of, had a bit of smoked salmon. Smoked salmon. Nice. And, and we had nice. sweet corn. It was Sweet lovely. corn and everything, yeah, yes. Nice, yeah. Absolutely. There's a story I could tell about uh, sweet corn, but maybe not on air. And Matt didn't drink any <laughs> wine at all. No, not a single drop passed my lips. No, no, I'm still teetotal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice to have you round. but yeah, uh, he, he's, it. he's been on tech, full-on tech mode around my, uh, around my house this week. So That's a word. Word, certainly, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, joining us, uh, he's back this week. He had a bit of a break last week, but he's back. We're pleased to say it is our master of all things BA. It's Neville Bounds. Yes, hello everybody. Nice to be back. And uh, yes, a very hectic week at work. Uh, to doing exhibitions again, seeing what? people for real, <laughs> which has not been uh, on the agenda for some time. Uh, so we're down at uh, Battersea Evolution, right in the middle of Battersea Park, uh, for a couple of days this week. And uh, it was nice to see some people there, which was brilliant. I haven't seen them for ages. But doing a, a Manning a Booth uh, as an exhibition stand with a mask on for eight and a half hours each day was not my idea of a good time, I've got to say. But um, nonetheless, at least we're, we're making a start. We're gradually getting back. I thought, you, I thought you were on location there, Nev. Where are you this week there with the green screen? Uh, that's uh, Gibraltar. Uh, that's the apron at Gibraltar there. Um, so, uh, yeah. And genuinely, uh, Nev, I mean, because it, it's been a, you know, y- y- your job has been very different for the last sort of like 15 months. I mean, this is essentially going out there doing what, what, what you're at Biamp to do, isn't it, in this particular case? I mean, how. Well, the, the thing is, all, all of us are, are used to, you know, uh, meeting people, uh, doing things face to face and in person, mm. and so the last sixteen months have been extremely odd. Um, and I've got to say, I mean, that there have been some casualties out there, especially in the live event and, and rental yeah. and staging worlds, uh, where there've been no gigs at all. So that's been very difficult. But uh, yeah. we've been uh, really good, actually. The, the management of our company have been superb, and uh, we've all, frankly speaking, we've all kept our jobs, which, which has been great. It's but, been amazing. Uh, we're, we're gradually getting back to, to normal now. Although I think, as we keep seeing in the news, we've got some mm-hmm. way to go yet. But um, we, we have. We'll get there. What What was it like, sort of all the humans? I mean. You know, we're so not used to interacting with other humans like well, for one real. Of the things that we didn't really think about before.
before we did all this was how are we going to recognize people without looking at their badges because oh, when yeah. you've got a mask on you can only see people's eyes of course now if yeah. you're doing a zoom or a team's call you, you know who you're going to be speaking to but when you're uh, on an exhibition booth you've got people walking up to you you don't know who's going to walk up to you next <laughs> um, and that was a definite thing and of course a few of us have got a bit of uh, how should we say lockdown lard uh, going on so maybe we're, we're slightly larger than we were previously um, and, and this means there's some very odd problems with uh, recognition um, no stuff. no you're just storing for winter that that's all you're just you're right. storing for winter yes. you know exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, it was great to be back and uh, seeing all my industry chums again so that was uh, brilliant yeah i bet Good. It's nice. I like mm. that. That's good. Yeah, it is. Slowly getting back to normal. Slowly getting back to normal. Some form of normality is finally beginning. Yes. So joining us as well this week, he's back again. We're pleased to say, and uh, it's the man who, if Wikipedia made a page about all the aircraft he's flown, they would need to employ some extra web browsers to fill up. It is, of course, Armando. <laughs> Hello, guys. Uh, I think I'm the odd man out this week. I, I had a pretty easy week. I. Only flew the platypus once, and that was the easy part of my week. I think keeping up with the house is is the harder thing. But uh, yeah, compared to you guys, I I had a vacation this week. And also for all the uh, tech people out there, I apologise desperately for Carlos's attempt to uh, refer to web browsers like they did. You could not have got that more wrong if you'd have tried. The thing, I've been watching. I've been watching the reruns of the IT crowd on Channel Four this week. I right. Saw. Okay. Yes, but mm. the information in that is accurate. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, sorry, hope. <laughs> but uh, how, <laughs> how, how are things anyway with you, Armando, over across the uh, the pond there? Good, pretty easy. Like I said, it's just uh, it's summertime here, so we're just doing all the summertime family activities. Uh, Maddie's in karate camp, and then yeah. she's actually she's in CrossFit camp this week, and then karate camp next week, and then uh, a little bit of flying here and there. And that's how I uh, keep my sanity because. <laughs> Go yeah. fly in the platypus. <laughs> well, actually, I took a little trip up to uh, to Beckles yesterday oh, you did, uh, you? for yes. the afternoon and met up with Stuart, one of our good friends of the show, Stuart uh, O'Neill, uh, who's a pilot as well and a, stu- and a training pilot as well and flies the parachute plane. And we had a good chat in the chin wagon. There's some mm. um, busy up there, as usual. Uh, with the good, stuff, good. and uh, can't stress enough how nice the food is up there. Yes, <laughs> the indeed. Food I, is I, so I, nice. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm amazed that uh, Gemma, A, allowed it, and B, somehow you weren't rumbled. It was for her the... idea. I'm going to say it? this now, on, live on air. It was Gemma's idea to go up to uh, Beckles uh, to have dinner. Right. And and yes, it, I'm well. It was, I still don't believe you. It was honestly. You no, can ask no. her. It was I, I will. Idea. Don't you worry well, about that. Uh, anyway, you guys must be. You guys must be out of conversation topics then, because because <laughs> she knew that you wouldn't pay attention to her. <laughs> well, one of the things that did uh, did make me chuckle, Armando, was the comment that you did put on my on my picture on the old social, uh, social medias of. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I did say that you looked like a like a puppy that got to go to the dog park for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is true. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah, oh, ta- yeah, tail clearly wagging throughout most oh, it of was. that visit. It yeah, was, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, Nev, you have got a little piece of uh, uh, news, which is good news for me and you, and uh, for anyone else heading to a certain island this year. 
Yes, we heard from the UK government yesterday that uh, Malta is now on uh, our green list, which Woo-hoo. means we can, we can go and we can come back without quarantine. That, that's assuming that the Maltese government <clears throat> excuse me, will, uh, will allow us in. That's the other thing to think mm. about. Uh, but, of course, at the moment we still have to take tests before you go and tests before you come back and tests when you get back, even on the green zone business, which I think is mad. Mm. Uh, So I'm really hoping by the time the end of September comes around, which is when the Malta Air Show is, then they might have dropped that as well. So let's see how we get on. But that is a a, a very good piece of news, I have to say. I mean, the the other thing I wanted to sort of mention, if that's okay, because, of course, uh, not that long ago, we basically had Portugal put on the green list. And then I think it was, was it two weeks later it was then pulled? I mean, are we going to be having another conversation in two weeks' time where the decision has actually been reversed? Well, of course, actually, it's been put on the green watch list, as they call it now, just to add confusion to it. Uh, I'm operating on the basis, excuse me, if um, uh, we do get stuck um, and we have to stay there for another four, six weeks, (laughs) a few months, I'm not that bothered uh, by that. Uh, Mrs. Nev is coming with you, isn't she, on this Uh, one? No. Oh, oh dear. Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay. Fair enough, then. <laughs> right, OK. Oh, dear. Uh, Going to come back with a very depleted P- I just uh, hope PTUK. I watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Come back with very depleted PTUK coffers, yeah. I think, if that, if that happens. Actually, yeah. it's good news as well if uh, John O'Jenny's in the chat room. Uh, over in Rome, but uh, for for you, Jen, if you can if you can come out to the Malta Air Show this year, the uh, the Aeronautica Militare Italiana is planning to support the uh, Malta International Air Show this year by means of an AMX fast jet advanced trainer. Uh, the AMX is flown by the Italian Air Force and is flown by the fifty first Stormo uh, from Istrana Air Base, located in Veneto. Uh, this type of aircraft is quite rare and its numbers are dwindling as the Italian Air Force continues to modernise itself with plans to replace the aircraft in the near future. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, that, they shall be there. That's another one announced this week, Nev. So we've got that to look forward to as mm, well, haven't yeah, we? Exciting times. Exciting and, times. Uh, now, we've got, now, we've got something else to mention. Cause, behind uh, us. Uh, those who are watching on YouTube will notice that there's a, quite an iconic aircraft that is our backdrop here. Will you stop doing that? Uh, honestly, he's like a child. Uh, there's this. Uh, there's a, a very iconic aircraft that uh, uh, a picture of which was sent to us by Jonathan Warner because uh, they took a little trip to Bryce Norton. Now, uh, many of you will obviously be very aware of the fact that this huge and frankly ridiculous-looking aircraft uh, went into Bryce Norton this week. But uh, I think it's safe to say, um, leaving, uh, sh- should we say, had had some challenges. Uh, to be faced, I don't know if somebody wants to sort of talk us through this. Uh, so this is. This well, I don't. Is... I don't know that the airplane had any challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I think the airplane was just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, yeah thanks to Jonathan Warner for some of those pictures. I was actually watching them on social media too. The AN two twenty five is just an awesome airplane, uh, and uh, you know, as it was leaving Bryce, I think it was headed over to Kiev. Uh, this aircraft was actually empty going back however it's so big that it still did a static takeoff at bryce norton heading back to kiev and um right before we cut there i gotta admit i think that fence needed replacing you know if you're gonna have one of the the most important air bases in the uk bryce norton who they carry millions of tons of cargo every year you can't you can't have just a 50-year-old wood fence. So I think, in, in fact, I think the AN-225 was doing Bryce Norton 
a favor in helping them replace their fence that uh, that quickly. But no, I, I was really impressed at how, how quick the uh, Ministry of Defense police was on the scene to make sure that nobody uh, was either hurt or nobody crossed that fence to get a better picture. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I think it's prob- probably more the latter, make sure nobody crossed that fence. But so, I mean, explain to me, because I, I mean, the aircraft seems, you know, not being funny, it seems a long way away from this actual fence. I mean, is it just literally the sheer volume of air yeah. that it's disturbing is why it's pushing this fence over? Absolutely. Any one of these aircraft, whether it's a C-5, an AN-225, a, a 747, when they're operating out of a short runway or what they consider is a short runway, I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of pounds of thrust that are that are going. I think I, there was a graphic somewhere. If you If you work on any airport, they have this little graphic that says, you know, 50 feet from the aircraft, the wind is going about 200 miles per hour, and then 100 feet, it's it's down to a 100 miles per hour, and then at about 500 feet, it's still a 75 mile per hour wind or something like that. It depends on the aircraft. So, yeah, even a couple hundred feet away, you're still getting a, a good, almost a hurricane force wind. Yeah, six of those engines on there, each of those engines, each engine producing 51,600 pounds of thrust each engine. Yeah. There you go. So, and uh, and if they were empty, I bet you they probably weren't using full thrust. It was just a static takeoff, probably just due to the sheer length of the runway. But uh, yeah. I see the uh, MOD police in the Ford Focus there. Yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Tactical, tactical vehicle. The yeah, Ford Focus. absolutely. Yeah, indeed, that's clearly the future. And uh, just uh, worth mentioning there also that if you're watching the YouTube. Uh, video there the aviation highlights uh is where that video came from today that was that was available uh on there great great videos on that channel so do make sure you, you, Very you give true. that a look yeah yeah absolutely so hello to everyone who's joined us in the live youtube chat room this evening all the uh, family members in there as always this evening uh hello to richard adams uh captain cruz uh, jenny and rome as i said earlier as well, Tony S. Hello to you, Mazus. Karim is in there as well. Hello to you, Mazus. Uh, Flyer one five two is also joining us. Jonathan Warner, uh, our picture uh, provided there in video as well. Well, hello to you, Jonathan. Uh, David Corston's in the chat room as well. Hello to you, David. Hope things are going well in over there in sunny Spain. Uh, we have got as well Masha as well in the chat room. Hello to you, Masha. Hope you're keeping well. Uh, Dave Abbey, hello to you Dave Abbey, uh, welcome uh, to you as well, nice to see you in the chat room, and uh, just scrolling down, Dirk S, hello to you Dirk, hope you're keeping well as well, and obviously Neville's in there uh, with his blue spanner, keeping Ooh, an eye, oh is he wielding his spanner, there. is he, wielding yeah. his spanner, yeah, there so we go. welcome to you, don't forget though, if you are listening to the audio per, uh, version of the show, uh, to join us, if you want to join us over on YouTube, as we are at the moment, recording a live show, Take yourselves over to YouTube, uh, find us uh, Plain Talking UK over on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the bell icon which is right next door to, to be notified on your device when we are live and recording new episodes because we would love to have you uh, joining us in the live chat room. So without further ado, I think it's time to do some Oh, got some beer going down there. Some commercial news this week. Uh, so if uh, all the team is ready. Indeed, let's go. Cool. 
course, what you can't see when we're doing this is Armando is busy chopping his way through an entire punnet of strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> and they look like very nice strawberries. They do look well. like very nice strawberries as well, absolutely. You know what's funny is this is a leftover Maddie lunch. <laughs> is it? Okay. Uh, oh, fair yeah. enough. That's good. That's good. I like it. I'm anyway, literally the, the Hoover in our house. Right, and I okay. All the I mean, surely that's why you buy dogs. I'm basically like a raccoon. Right. Yeah, the dogs eat better than me. <laughs> anyway, that's got nothing to do with commercial news. No. Commercial news so. The uh, <laughs> first, yeah. first news story in the commercial news. The commercial military. How would that work? Uh, is that news. privately funded military? Oh, let's not oh, open did, that kind of we've work. Done a, we've done a couple of stories on commercial military about uh, okay. contract aggressor aircraft. I'm sorry and I asked. actually, <laughs> that AN-225 was commercial military because they were hauling, uh, True. I guess, uh, helicopters back from mm-hmm. Afghanistan. You know when you do a throwaway comment and you immediately you regret it <laughs> actually that's not me i'm gonna give that one to captain cruz and the or actually tony s in the in the chat room so okay hey our, ta- our chat room is on my side they keep, keep well keep they're always room. on your side it's just because you're awesome anyway should we do that's should right. we do should we get started yes this one comes to us from edition.cnn.com and uh, headline airbus designs in flight covid quarantine tent yes you heard me right e- easy for you to say as uh, more aircraft return to the skies, airports and airlines continue to enforce measures designed to keep passengers safe as possible while COVID-19 remains a problem. But even uh, face masks and temperature checks are commonplace as uh, are destination requirements for proof of vaccination or negative tests. There's still a possibility that a passenger could develop COVID symptoms mid-flight. Oh, it sounds like one of those films you see on... Uh, a weird dodgy on, video in the show. cinema. Mm. Yeah, yeah what are those things? Yeah. Uh, on a packed plane, it can be tricky to actually isolate a symptomatic traveller in line with the two meter distance uh, recommended by global aviation body IATA and the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's what Airbus packs case passenger containment area for symptomatic events concept is intended for. It's a semi-transparent plastic sheeting encircling a potential infectious passenger in an isolation bubble. So Ingo Wugetzer, a vice president, mind me saying that after a few beers, uh, of cabin (laughs) marketing at Airbus, tells uh, the CNN traveller that the PAX case is designed to be either in a fixed position in the aircraft cabin or a kind of on a curtain rail or work as a removable sheeting to be fixed into place on the ceiling by strong tape. Hmm. The barrier would encircle one seat row, cutting off three seats, including the one occupied by the symptomatic passenger. It's a very simple and easy principle applied to the uh, applied by the crew in case of emergency need that's needed, explains Wigetsa. The concept has been nominated in the Clean and Safe Air Travel category in the 2021 Crystal Cabin Awards, which focus on the latest trends in aircraft interior innovation. The Crystal Cabin Awards usually have eight categories, but this year it's focused on two key awards that recognise where aviation is right now, uh, the Clean and Safe Air Travel category and the Judges' Choice category. Uh, just to point out as well uh, that these uh, interests, uh, these medical curtains like these, uh, which are shown on this uh, story, are not exactly a new feature. Uh, according to one of our sources, uh, a few airlines in the world have these already, uh, and each, each aircraft 
uh, is normally uh, normally has four to six seats which you can block off and completely cover with a curtain for privacy uh, mainly used for uh, recover from major medical incidents for passengers and births on board and things like that but uh, this new idea here which we're just showing on the show here is a totally sealed environment uh, that uh, can be used to obviously quarantine someone on board a flight see now my issue with this really hot well, yes, that, I mean, that's a thing. But, you know, hopefully you've got access to certain categories. There's also known as the Mile High Club Tent, uh, which I think is a, is a good shout. Uh, my issue with this is if the passengers, if you're in flight and the passenger suddenly starts showing symptoms, it's already too late, isn't it? Mm, I would have said so, yeah. I mean, this is like sort of shutting, what is it, shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted. I mean, it's, that's good. it's already too late. Isn't it? Once they're once they're on the aircraft and then they show symptoms, it's you know everybody's got it. <laughs> Captain Cruz is saying isolate the passenger into the cockpit. No, no, no. I can think of worse places to be isolated. No, no. I'll stay in my nice little pod. Thank you very much. With the door shut. Thank you. You know, I don't. I don't want to make light of it, but I've been to a lot of Chinese takeout restaurants during quarantine. And right, where are we going with this? I'm nervous. No, I've seen how they put up the plastic sheeting with some duct tape, and I can't imagine how much Airbus is charging for the for the exact same design that they use at your local Golden King. But I, but I'm right though, aren't I? I mean, surely the the once the once the person's on on board and they're, <coughs> I think I don't feel well. Uh, surely it's already too late for everyone. Mm. Yes, it yeah. is. And I mean, don't forget all all this business happens long before people start showing symptoms as well. Very often, so I think it's uh, um, as you say that it is shutting the stable door after the event, isn't it? Somewhat. And some so. people don't even show any symptoms. Don't at all. True, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kids especially, isn't it? It does seem to be children, especially who, who can have a, you know, a, an event like this. And you know, it's. I mean, my my little cousin. I mean, my cousin's eight years old. Um, he wasn't showing any symptoms at all. It was actually his younger sister that is the reason why the family were tested for COVID, and it turned out that Alfie had COVID, and yet he wasn't showing any symptoms or anything mm. like that at the t- the time. Um, you know, this this is the thing. There's still so much that we don't know about this. This is what I'm so nervous about. I yes, guess. Uh, Dirk uh, in the chat room uh, says uh, they'll call it the uh, Neville private cabin. Well, uh, there is that <laughs> absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. As long as you're a in seat one mm. a when this happens, and they put a nice little. I mean, wouldn't would you quite like the isolation? Wouldn't you? Where I'm, I'm, get... I'm liking this very much. <laughs> Even <laughs> if you're not in one a, if no. you're in twenty in twenty eight f, I'm gonna you know put a little pepper in the nose, and next thing you know, I got my own private cabin. Yeah, and I only paid twenty nine pounds for it now. <laughs> Not a, yeah. not no. not a four figure sum. Anyway, uh, before so Nev explodes, Nev, yeah. <laughs> Nev, this next one's for you, and this is uh, all about BA and Gatwick. Oh, this is awful news again. Uh, it's on the airportwatch.org.uk and also uh, from the pointsguide.co.uk as well. And uh, it says that British Airways has revived plans to abandon Gatwick, delivering a fresh blow to Britain's second biggest airport. Uh, airline bosses have launched a review into concentrating the flag carrier's operation at Heathrow, according to industry sources. Gatwick has been the hardest hit 
of any European airport due to, due to the coronavirus restrictions on international travel, according to research by Pilots Union uh, Balper, with daily arrivals and departures down by 92% during the first week of June, compared with the same period in 2019. It's understood that the review of Gatwick follows an order from IAG, BA's parent company, which is fearful that it could lose lucrative takeoff and landing slots at Heathrow. Given Heathrow's popularity, takeoff and landing slots are highly sought after and can be traded by airlines for tens of millions of pounds. Uh, in normal times, airlines are required to operate 80% of the maximum possible flights to retain their slots. Failure to comply would result in slots being handed back to a central authority and then reallocated to other airlines. A possible solution is to move Gatwick's flights to Heathrow, which may have operational and connection efficiencies uh, by operating all of these flights from one airport rather than two. Uh, BA raised the possibility of quitting Gatwick more than a year ago in, in anticipation that demand for air travel will remain depressed for a number of years. Uh, Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary, issued a waiver of such uh, use-it-or-lose-it rules and if he decides not to extend the waiver until demands return to pre-pandemic levels, BA may need to focus on airports such as Heathrow where the slots are worth the most so that they do not lose them. Uh, Louise uh, Gallego, uh, uh, Chief Executive of IG, told analysts this month, Gatwick is an important decision that we need to take as a group. It's true that we have issues, uh, have the issue with the slots. Gatwick has some strategic value, but we need to be competitive there. This crisis is not, is, is sorry, this crisis is going to change the profile of the demand. So we are analysing the different options. BA declined to comment on this. Well, I think that this is absolutely awful news. Uh, I mean, Gatwick is a very, very busy airport, especially in the summer months. It was always known as the holiday airport, yeah. although mm -hmm. it did operate a lot of um, scheduled flights uh, as well uh, for the business traveller. And just think of the number of people that are employed at Gatwick. Well, yeah. There's ground handling, maintenance, ops, ticketing, you know, all those people that uh, that work there. Um, and I think um, it, it, the trouble is if they if Gatwick start losing the income like this, um, this has not been helped by the government. I have to say, mucking about with all these rules all the time, mm. um, it, the, the uncertainty that this is bringing to the whole aviation sector is awful. So um, I just hope that they can keep uh, keep the whole thing running, keep the operation. I mean, I, I, I I'm going to play slight devil's advocate here. I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of. The importance of Gatwick, um, you know, within the network. Um, but given the fact that, you know, obviously, let, I mean, Terminal Five is more or less. I know there are a handful of flights that go out of Terminal Five that aren't BA, but it is only a handful, isn't it? Yeah, if, it's if not I, with the uh, One World Alliance, so um, yeah. uh, Iberia, and I think um, Finnair occasionally yeah. as well. Yes, but yeah. but given obviously what's happened to this industry that we know and love, I mean, whilst I, I completely understand where you're coming from, I mean, I can also sort of see it from BA's perspective, where you're thinking, is it is it just not going to be in a time when one has got to watch the pennies? so closely as they're having to now would it not make more sense that you know if you wanted to get on a BA flight that Heathrow Terminal 5 is where you went for it yeah I think they have to if if the you know if the finances and and the banking and the credit arrangements will allow I think they have to 
prepare for a medium to long term view with this. Yeah. Because don't forget, this has all been going on in, I suppose, in total, it's been 18 months now, hasn't it, really, from when it all started. And people said it will be over in three months, six months, a year. And here we are, 18 yeah. months into it, more or less. And I think that with aviation and the travel industry generally, when well, we all know it's not the flick of a switch, you can't just turn it on and off. Yeah. Um, as as demand requires, and I think that it would be okay. Uh, I'm not running the operation, but I would have thought it would have been better if they could to retain all of the slots that they can, uh, even uh, in terms of you know the, the, they'll have to make a, a bit of a loss in the meantime. But obviously, it, it will come back, and we know that the demand for holiday travel, mm-hmm. especially, is extremely high. So I still think that there's you know plenty of um, room. Uh, stuff left left in the system there but of course it's just this interim period that people have to get through agreed agreed well so, yes indeed uh we're going to uh ryanair Ryan now and an airport i Saving actually know money. something about an airport i actually know something about because i had the great pleasure of going here with my friend owen and to be honest with you if owen hadn't have been there i probably would have ended up being one somebody who was left behind by Ryanair because I'm not very good at (laughs) at doing this sort of thing. But anyway, so the Ryanair 737 takes off from Toulouse, leaving around 50 passengers behind. So the Boeing 737-800 with registration uh, Echo uh, Echo India uh, Delta Papa Kilo was operating uh, flight uh, Foxtrot Romeo 35... I'm just showing off now, 3551, from Toulouse to... um, Fez, 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 Fez in Morocco. Oh, is that? Is, oh, it is it just is Fez. Fez yeah. Oh, because so it's, it's Fez Saz. <laughs> it's like the hat, the little Fez red Saz. That, the... It was the Saz that was tripping me up. Okay, fair enough. Just Fez Airport in Morocco on the nineteenth of. Stop having so much fun at my expense, you lot. Uh, to, to Fez. Sorry, Fez Saz. Is that right? No, nobody's responding. Sounds good to me. Okay, uh, in Morocco on the night. Anyway, some airport in Morocco on the nineteenth of July. London Fez. At London Fez on the nineteenth of uh, of June. Uh, although the flight was scheduled to take off at seven twenty-five, the flight was actually delayed and it departed Toulouse uh, at around about eight forty-three on Saturday morning. However, fifty passengers were refused to board, although they had arrived on time at the airport. The gate was closed at six fifty-five, half an hour before the scheduled departure according to the airline's policy passengers must arrive at the boarding gates at least 30 minutes before departure and boarding ends 20 minutes before departure however this time this time it was closed earlier so uh, the flight was to take off at 7:25 a.m. and when we went uh, to the boarding lounge at 10 past 7 after waiting for two hours at check-in we were told that the plane had already left uh, said one of the passengers who had arrived um with their with his mother at 5 a.m i am with my mother who is in a wheelchair and we are only uh, and we were only told to go home uh, and it wasn't even ryanair who answered us there is no one from the company here they are the uh, they are only subcontractors he continued uh, according to uh, La Depeche, the 
uh, Pilot took the initiative to leave the airport several minutes early without waiting for missing passengers without any reason. Contrary to what passengers claim to have been uh, informed, Flight Radar 24 data indicates that the flight FR3551 on June the 19th left Toulouse at 8.42am, one hour and 20 minutes late. Ryanair does not have a passenger counter at Toulouse Airport and the airline said that the reimbursement procedure was going to be initiated without offering an alternative flight. Hmm. Okay. okay. Can I defend the crew first? Oh, absolutely. No, no. Go, I, 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 my head is immediately going where I think you're going, Armando. So absolutely. We, When I was flying for the airlines, we had the option to... Uh, well, it's very. It's established that the gate closes at a certain time, and that allows you the opportunity to sometimes leave ten or fifteen minutes early. That you you may do that for weather. You may do that for ATC delays. They may call you up and say, "Hey, there's uh, there's a reroute, so you're going to need an additional ten minutes to get there." And if you don't take some kind of action like that, it's going to affect the entire schedule down the line for that aircraft and and potentially the crew. Now. What happens after you leave the gate is is entirely out of your control. Uh, so I have had plenty of times where I've left the gate early. Um, all my passengers were there. and Or I, I've done this too, where I was maybe missing one passenger. But, I, but we said, you know what? The weather's coming in. That passenger can get rebooked. Um, we're, we got to go. Because like uh, <laughs> to nerd out, like Spock said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. <laughs> Right. And uh, we would taxi out. You get three taxiways down and then and then somebody at ATC says, hey, you know, we're at a ground stop because this happened and this happened. Or you guys can't take off because there's a disabled aircraft in uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth. They're down to one runway operations. We got to push your your departure time. So you're just going to sit on the ramp with the engines running. So I am sure Nobody in, in, in any kind of uh, front end or back end, cabin crew or, or front end, have any malicious intent to their actions. No. And th- there is entirely a, a reason why they left early and then sat on the ramp. So I'm going to defend the crew. We don't know why. Uh, it would probably behoove Ryanair to at least explain it, but... Maybe they're, you know, this is just another another day in Ryanair's life. They're very busy. I don't, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, they're, yeah, they're not yeah. going to, yeah. It's, 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 it, no, it is a great point, Armando. As I say, I completely uh, understand where you're coming from. And also, I mean, p- part of me, when you've got through that gate, I mean, part of me is like thinking, well, why, why would you leave? Do you know what I mean? I mean, why wouldn't you be hanging around the area at that point? I know there was a two hour delay, but, you know, you, you would certainly be watching boards closely because I have no doubt it was advertised within the terminal that, you know, that even if they pushed forward the the closure of the gate, you know, they do tell you to watch your boards all the time, don't they? I mean, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, am I? No, we our our gate agents would always tell if there was a yeah. delay. We didn't know it's going left, it's going right. Yeah, we'd say, hey, just stick around the boarding area if you want to get some food, but leave somebody here, or please watch your your phone for notifications. Yeah, absolutely, or at least watch the screens. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you're, say, I mean, say this happened, say at Stansted, for example, you've got all the the departure screens that have got all the information on there. I mean, I, I, 
I don't know. I, 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 we, we sort of reached a point where humans are not willing to take responsibility for their own actions, are they? I mean, it's just like. But they, they were doing an old school verbal announcement, I'd imagine, wouldn't they? If it was something major. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Toulouse is a, a silent airport, as John was saying. Yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but w- I've been <laughs> out of there. It wasn't an issue. It, yeah. it, it's, it's not a. It's not a thing. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I mean, obviously, Nev, this would never happen at BA. Of course. I mean, that's a. Oh well, that's I'm, a given. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, but as Armando said, I, the, you know, there's clearly absolutely no malicious intent here no. whatsoever. But this, there, there are oper- operational reasons mm-hmm. why stuff happens, and of course. Let's be honest, for the, under normal circumstances, I'm talking about 2019 levels now, yeah. most flights uh, depart very close to being on time without yeah. any hitches. Yeah. They, they go from A to B. It's all so smooth. We're all so used to it. Mm. But just occasionally stuff happens. And, um, mm. you know, it's, it's just one of those things, really. And yeah. I think that, um, of course, once the press get hold of something, yeah. then there's... Yeah. Uh, a lot of opportunity for embellishment and exaggeration, or maybe <gasps> not you? being in possession of the full facts. <laughs> Quite, and uh, yes, that's uh, that's where I think we pull the plug on that. <laughs> so, Armando, moving on to you with uh, a Neo story. Yeah, this story is from Flight Global, and Airbus is emphasizing the importance of A three twenty Neo family airspeed checks during takeoff. Uh, after developmental simulations identified some potential effects on aircraft response from inconsistent or or consistent erroneous airspeed indications, which consistent erroneous equals inconsistent. Um, So these erroneous indications within the same speed range could arise from false information being derived from either two or three blocked pitot tubes. So Airbus did some simulations. They conducted this as part of a continuous development testing Uh, they found that the aircraft's response could be affected by such a situation, especially during rotation, right when the aircraft uh, or or the pilots are are pulling back well in the Airbus on the stick and and getting the airplane into the air. Now, this could lead to an unstable flight path after takeoff and possible reduced aircraft control, according to the European Union Aviation Safety Agency. So EASA says that this condition has not been encountered during normal operations. It's particular... particularly concerned, though, over some occurrences as aircraft return to flight from long-term pandemic-related storage. Several incidents uh, involving pedostatic blockages, such as those caused by insects um, or sometimes maintenance, uh, that's been recorded in history all the way back to the beginning of of aviation. Airbus and EASA have already distributed several safety communications reminding operators to apply Uh, protections to stored aircraft and follow detailed procedures returning them to service, especially regarding the checks on air data probes. Um, They warned in a uh, 21 June directive, they said that an increasing number of operational disruptions have been reported due to airspeed discrepancies. Now, Airbus is reinforcing this need for airspeed checks during critical phases of flight as a result of its analysis and provides instructions on how to abort the takeoff uh, in case of unreliable airspeed indication. Now, it, in the airlines, they we we practice in the simulator unreliable airspeeds, especially after some uh, high-profile events. Now, for our our, uh, our listeners and that that aren't uh, airplane savvy, no, or you, you can say savvy, uh, format uh, what we're going format. to do. Format, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the pedostatic system is something that's been around since the be- since the beginning of of. Uh, I guess uh, technologically 
the advanced aircraft. So call it the 1940s and on. Uh, the pitot tube is is directly linked. Uh, it's somewhere out on the airplane. Sometimes it's on the fuselage. Sometimes it's out on the wing. But that's that's ram air that's coming into the airspeed indicator. Okay, what, just, what's ram air? Literally just air going into a tube. There's no filters. There's no nothing. Right. It's literally okay. just going in there and hitting a, a little uh, diaphragm that makes an electronic um, circuit. Okay. The static part of the system is exactly that. It's static air. There's usually a port somewhere further down the aircraft on the fuselage near the tail. Uh, it could be, uh, depending on the airplane, could be a bunch of different places. And that's uh, providing additional data to the airspeed indicator, the, ver- the vertical speed indicator, and the altimeter. And that's how the aircraft know, or the, the instruments know, it's measuring the difference between this, this, these uh, known pressures, the static, the static pressure, and then and then ram air pressure. Okay, now, so, modern so air- again, so forgive my naivety here, Armando. Why does that matter? What 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 does that information provide to the aircraft in order for this not to happen? specifically with the pitot tubes that IASA and Airbus are talking about, that would rely, that would uh, produce some unreliable airspeed indications. So right. in, in, an, in a general aviation aircraft, that, that pitot tube with the air just going right into the tube, that's getting fed into the airspeed indicator, a little round dial. And modern aircraft, that's going to an air data computer, an right. ADC. Um, so if the system is getting erroneous data because that, that pitot tube is blocked. Right. Now, when you go for your PPL, they talk a lot about, a lot about icing. Um, if you don't turn the pitot heat on or in an advanced aircraft, the, the probe heat on, um, that the, the, the tube could actually freeze over and then you would have no idea how fast you're actually going. Um, and the <laughs> living out in, in the West, in the US, uh, there's these uh, wasps and bugs and critters that love to make homes inside of airspeed tubes, inside of uh, pitot tubes. And uh, if you don't do a good pre-flight on a general aviation aircraft or even a big airliner, this uh, this could totally lead to an unreliable. Now, as the as an airliner is taking off, and I promise I'll wrap up with this, um, otherwise we'll get the rickets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as an airliner is rolling down the runway, an in, in air data computer is calculating all of these these uh, factors from the different pitot tubes, right? It could be two or three systems um, in, a, in an advanced airliner. If it reads a discrepancy between two systems or three systems, it'll alert the crew that, hey, something is off. Now, if you're doing that in the air and you get that perhaps a frozen or a failed heating element or something like that, then... Uh, there are procedures that we practice to essentially just fly the airplane. Um, but if it's happening during a critical phase of flight, like takeoff, where the crew is just following this this flight director, it's just a little carrot. It's just like a video video game that they're trying to pitch up and, and put the little carrot and put the little dot on the carrot and fly away. Um, that could be very, very dangerous if the system is saying, hey, you're going faster or slower. Um, so pitch down, pitch up in order to maintain an airspeed and uh, and the crew could potentially uh, aggravate their situation by following or not recognizing an erroneous indication. 
So, so um, I was just going to say that the uh, looking on some of the uh, sites that I follow, uh, there's quite a few test flights being done now for aircraft that have been in long-term storage, just flying empty, yeah. um, uh, just to make sure things are working. Because uh, certainly on takeoff, the the crew, if they did have an unreliable airspeed, I mean, physically speaking, you can't really tell the difference between 130 knots or 150 knots. You know, it, yeah. the, the, the the whole sensation of speed is is lost at that, that sort of level, isn't it? So um, I think that the airlines are taking a lot of precautions at the moment of before they put uh, aircraft back into service, they're actually doing, you know, one hour test flights uh, around the UK, for example. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, carry on. Uh, no, I was just going to say there was a famous crash in Peru um, where the aircraft had mm. come out of maintenance. And uh, the, the main, I, I believe they had uh, either painted the aircraft or just washed the aircraft. They had put some tape over the static mm. ports, and that led to erroneous indications for the crew as they were climbing out of Lima. And they ended up, I think, putting that one into the water because they, they essentially stalled because they didn't know how fast they were going or how, how high they were. So, I mean, forgive my, my naivety here again, and this, this is one of the things that uh, Dirk's saying, sorry, what was that? Uh, Dirk S. was saying, introducing uh, new PTUK character. <laughs> ask ask <laughs> Professor Carrion. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, so, so uh, uh, clearly this system is uh, concerning, for want of I mean, is there not a better way that this information can be can be gathered, something that's not quite so sensitive to... A bug being in the tube. Um, well, that's why you have three of them, right? You know, it's a, it's you know, a two or double or triple redundant system, um, and then at the end of the day, you've got additional. Uh, anybody had, that has done an instrument rating, um, there are, there's a for each maneuver, there is a primary instrument, and then there are a, essentially a supporting cast of instruments. So if you're, if you're climbing. You, you, you'll see your airspeed uh, decline, you'll see your vertical speed go up, and you'll see your altimeter goes, go up. So if one of those things isn't working, uh, that's in a g- general aviation airplane, if one of those things isn't working, you can still use the other two to, uh, to uh, <laughs> figure out what the airplane is doing. But it, it, it gets, you know, it's pretty redundant. It's pretty safe, you know, considering the amount of flights that, that happen in the world. But but it does happen. Airplane systems ice over or, or they get messed up somehow. And, and, uh, Nerd alert! Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll do, a, we'll do an offline uh, explanation of pheostatic systems. <laughs> yeah, quite. Nothing, I, nothing I'm telling you is, is, is crazy rocket science. This is If you go for your PPL or your instrument rating, you'll learn all this stuff. Okay, Myla's saying in the chat room she loves these technical yeah, chats. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. As I say, forgive my. This is the trouble. Is she, I mean, you read that article out, and I went, nope, not a clue. Uh, <laughs> no, it's good that you ask. It's good that you ask. Well done. Yeah. Well, well done. there we go. Yeah. So yeah, this is what this is what we pay, this is what we pay Amanda the big bucks. Uh, uh, we've got a last question. Uh, is um, the GPS indicated speed is no fallback? Uh, uh, Rakon is asking. Uh, absolutely. It is a, absolutely a, an, a viable supporting uh, data point. Um, I know when I fly both general aviation and for charters, I, I always have my iPad up with a Stratus. If, if, my, if my entire airplane goes dark, believe it or not, with ForeFlight, we were just talking to SkyDemon, you know, about, uh, about some of the differences. With ForeFlight and a Stratus, you can fly an airplane. 
and that's purely based off of uh, GPS ground speed, which will give you a, a pretty good idea of, of what you're doing. You know, plus or minus, especially close to the ground, plus or minus 20 knots, and uh, and and the attitude and heading of the airplane. Mm. So, uh, recon absolutely a, a viable piece of information. Should everything else fail, nerd alert. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay no, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So next one, uh, next story is uh, comes to us from Press and Journal or pressandjournal.co.uk, and uh, this is all about Logan Air. Uh, Logan Air here in the uh, UK, well, they're based up in Scotland. They've received a four million pound uh, grant or some money from uh, the Transport Scotland. So with the impact of COVID nineteen, uh, which has decimated the aviation industry, as we all know. Uh, with airlines forced to ground planes and cancel flights as international travellers plummeted. However, flights to the highlands and islands are lifeline routes for countless rural communities relying on connections and vital supplies during the lockdown. Now, it can be revealed uh, this week, Logan Air uh, has re- uh, received a £4.1 million in Transport Scotland backing to stay in the air during the coronavirus pandemic. Throughout the uh, pandemic, Logan Air flights have maintained services to ensure life in rural communities can continue as normal, as well as support efforts to fight the virus. Uh, the airline has run air ambulance aircraft as well for the Scottish Air Ambulance Service to carry coronavirus patients and others to hospital. Some planes have also been adapted to handle specially designed pods for patients to reduce uh, the infection risk. And the airline has also continued to fly mail to the islands, even adding extra flights as the volumes have increased during lockdown. So Transport Scotland has been funding a skeleton service from Logan Air through the coronavirus pandemic, and the scheme is aimed uh, to provide at least one connection to airline uh, island airports, including Orkney, Shetland, Stornoway, and others, to ensure communities are not cut off. The 4.1 million figure covers the length of a contract that has been running from the end of April last year. It's been hoped that the commercial operations will be able to resume again uh, this month. However, the expected delay to the relaxation of the restrictions from the Scottish Government has led to the contract being extended to August if needed. Uh, They said that a Transport Scotland spokesperson has said that we recognise the importance of uh, maintaining air services to our remote communities to facilitate essential travel and have funded a skeleton service through the pandemic. No, it's uh, safe to say that I know... Actually, Tony S has said their Logan has been going from strength to strength. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of our good friends of the show is uh, is a pilot at uh, Logan Air, and he's been very busy, very busy yeah, indeed. Yeah, I bet. Um, so good, good for them. But uh, it's good, obviously, for these people who do live in... I mean, some of the Highlands and Shetland Islands and stuff up north are quite a way out but, so i mean again forgiving my uh, forgiving my na- naivety here the these are people uh, so didn't did logan air pick up a lot of the um mm. flyby routes that that um that i know were quite often uh funded by um the like government yeah. they were government backed weren't they Oh, these are original Logan Air flights, I'm being told. In, in, They're in flying. Um, Logan Air are used because they've obviously got a mixed fleet. Uh, they've got the Embraers, uh, which they use uh, in the for their you know, service and stuff. But they've also got the smaller, the uh, Britain Norman Islander, which is a small kind of um, twin engine uh, prop is aircraft it, is it that as one? well. Which is uh, that's the... Uh, that's a, a Saab, Saab 340. 340, yeah. that's yeah. it, yeah, Saab yeah. 340. Okay. 
Um, they've also yeah. got a small cargo fleet as Thank well. Thank you, Mr. Warner, by the way. Yeah, they've, <laughs> they've, got, they've also got uh, some ATR-42s, ATR-72s as well uh, in their fleet. And they've also got uh, Armando. They've got uh, de Havilland Canada DH-6 uh, Twin Otter as well in their fleet. So one of those. Is that the one? That, I think that's the one that lands on the on the beach, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. 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 Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So good on them. It's uh, it's good. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah, they're doing a yeah. good job as well, and obviously the, the, with the um, yeah. air ambulance side of things as well, it's always important yeah. as well. It was an interesting email uh, with the other project you and I are involved in. Actually, I did you see that? I'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He talk, yeah talk about that uh, another time. Yes. So, there's a. Yes, next story. Next, so, yeah, so Matt, you're uh, moving to my favourite neck of the woods. Indeed, yes. I, I, well, I, and you did the show notes this week, so uh-huh. I don't know, I don't know why you gave this to me. It's very kind of you. Uh, anyway, so uh, Malta, Malta's Air Hub Airlines adds its first A340-300. So Air Hub Airlines... Uh, GSM Malta International has taken delivery of the first A340-300 of four units of the type it intends to add going forward. At 16.1 years old, Foxtrot Whiskey Tango Bravo Juliet... uh, MSN 668. Manufacturer's serial number. Okay, thank you. Mm. Uh, Was ferried from Arman Queen uh, Queen Alia to... Siaulia. How am I supposed to say that? Somebody please correct me. Siaulia. Okay, everybody's looking at me blankly. Okay, Uh, whatever Carlos (laughs) just said. For pre-service entry maintenance on 16th of June 2021. The aircraft was previously operated by Air Tahiti uh, as Foxtrot Oscar Lima Oscar Victor, but was retired, parked at Tyrrell and deregistered in February 2019. The CH Aviation Fleet's history module shows. Uh, The current registration is temporary and as such is not listed by the French Air Traffic Register. Um... It will, however, be re-registered in Malta as Nine Hotel Bravo Oscar Bravo and is scheduled for entry into service in the second half of July 2021. Our close operation with various aircraft owners, lessers and MROs give us unique opportunities for flexible additions of fleet in order to deploy them in different markets, Chairman Alexander Seldin said. The carrier will consider deploying the aircraft with seats removed as a makeshift freighter also. Uh, they, uh, he said to CH Aviation that the other three A340s would deliver one by one over the next two months. The airline said that it had the capacity to operate at up to 10 mixed uh, configuration aircraft by the end of 2021. So I don't really under so air so is so Air Hub Airlines are they the people that own what yeah, is so Air Hub? They're I, I did a little research because I didn't yeah. know who the hell they were even yeah. though I you know know Malta very well. even though you're but, obsessed um, by Malta yes but they yeah. are a kind of they're one of those airlines that you can you can ring up you know mm. tomorrow and say I need a A three forty three hundred oh, like, here right. now with a crew. And I want to go to here. And so I a bit do. like the high fly thing, is it that same yeah, sort of? Yeah, yeah, like Titan yeah. as well here in the UK yeah. as well. A Norwegian, I'm being told in my ear, uh, uses them. Uh, used to use them. But wouldn't you? Yeah. Wouldn't you? I was going to say, wouldn't you say Nev the three forty three hundred is an interesting choice of aircraft? Yeah, to start it's, with? it was always. Um, I think our chum uh, 
uh, Mr. Anderson uh, was always used to say it was a little bit underpowered uh, for what it was supposed to do, but also the the running costs are pretty high as well. Mm. Again, four engine aircraft that needs a lot of juice, doesn't it? So um, yeah, but uh, again, perhaps it's a question of what's what's available. That's the other thing, isn't it? Because so many airlines are uh, switching to more efficient uh, two engine aircraft these days. So uh, yeah. Uh, and, and John's just hold, held his hand up to stitching me up because he's moved the order around because the next one's got pictures in it. Ah, uh, uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. So, Nev, you've got the uh, next story, uh, Nev, and it's all about uh, a very special livery. Yeah, it's a nice story, this actually. It's on simpleflying.com, and it says that uh, Southwest Airlines has painted one of its Boeing 737-800 aircraft in a new Freedom One livery. Uh, the aircraft, stylized. Uh, with the flag of the United States of America is designed as a tribute to the armed forces in the US and the company's gratefulness to those who have served. Uh, the livery was revealed to the airline's employees during the celebration at Southwest Airlines Technical Operations Hangar at William P. Hobby International Airport in Houston, Texas. Uh, attendees included Southwest Military Ambassadors, Military Council, winners of the company's prestigious uh, President's Award and others. Uh, Southwest Military Ambassadors are employees who are veterans and military spouses. Uh, the special plane features 50 stars and 13 stripes. This is the first uh, 737-800 to join the airline's special livery collection. Others have been on the 737-700s and include Arizona 1, California 1, Colorado 1, Florida 1, Illinois 1, Lone Star 1, Texas, uh, Louisiana 1, Maryland 1, Missouri 1, Nevada 1, New Mexico 1 and Tennessee 1. Uh, South Air, uh, Southwest uh, Airlines also surprised its active employees. Uh, it's offering a gift of 50,000 rapid rewards points deposited into the accounts of each employee who chooses to accept the gift. Uh, Gary Kelly, who's CEO of Southwest Airlines, stated the following on the livery. Our purpose is to connect people to what's important in their lives through friendly, reliable and low-cost air travel. We simply couldn't fulfil our purpose if it was not for the sacrifices and dedication of our military men and women. We appreciate their service and bravery in providing a blanket of freedom for our country. That's a very nice story. And it just, uh, I mean, I'm sure Armando can relate to this. Every time I've been through a US airport and there's been military personnel at the gate waiting to get on the aircraft, uh, very often they are given priority boarding, which is great. But most importantly, the gate staff and anyone that's around, even regular passengers, they say, thank you for your service. And we do not do that in the United we Kingdom. We don't, and, no. And I do not know why we don't do it, but it is a standard greeting of thanks in the US. And I'm, it, it, it's, it feels very humbling. I'm so pleased that they do it as well. I'm under. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nev. Oh, I'm teared up a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, is, it is really nice. It, uh, you know, people go into the military for a myriad of reasons, and it's always... A little awkward when somebody is thanking you for the for your service and and uh, you know whether whether you're in the military or first responder, um, you're you're we're, we are really good about that here in the United States. And a company like Southwest Airlines has a long history of supporting the armed forces, um, whether that be in combat operations. Uh, uh, Captain Jeff has, has talked about the the Civil Reserve Air Fleet. 
you know, when when we get the call uh, as the U.S. military, um, often it, you're on a Delta Airlines uh, jet or an American Airlines jet or a Southwest Airlines jet going somewhere very quickly. Um, but in addition to that, they're always great companies to go work for uh, post-military career. And that if you serve two years, you've already gained some valuable skills that will benefit both the company and the passengers. Um, or if you serve 20 years and, mm. and you get out and go work for them, you, you have a very unique skill set that, um, you know, we, we have, we're, we're losing a lot of trade schools and vocational schools here in the U.S., um, it's just not as common as it used to be. So the military is a great way um, for people to develop both uh, both personal, interpersonal, and technical skills that that companies um, love having as part of their team. And Southwest Air- Airlines is, is just one of these companies that has always been um, very uh, friendly towards veterans. And, and this is a great paint job, although I've always really liked the New Mexico paint job. That's my favorite. <laughs> but this one's nice, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, in in our, if I could sort of maybe in in defence of the United King, Kingdom and and where we do, we are very good at uh, remembrance. I do, I do, yeah. I do feel we're good at that. You know, so I, I accept that perhaps lessons can be learned in in terms of respect. I think that's probably the best word, isn't it? Respect. But we are very good at remembering our fallen. I feel. Oh yeah, I've I've said that um, every November. I commend. Mm the UK on the way you, you guys conduct your Remembrance Day ceremonies, the way each town has a very special tie um, to both the, the, the men and women that served and the experiences that they, w- that they went through. And it's very much a different experience because you guys lived it. You mm-hmm. lived it day to day. Everyone in Europe went through some, some very challenging times um, while we were, we were supporting it from, from our end, at least World War II. But, um, you you guys do that very well um, at remembering. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, Tony S is saying, Armando, is it usual for off-duty uh, service personnel to travel in uniform? I think it's discouraged here. Um, not as much. So before nine eleven, um, on-duty travel was often in uniform. Um, off-duty travel, we've, very rarely would you do that in uniform. You're not in an official capacity, um, and and you you certainly nobody wants to take advantage of the uh, gratitude that is expressed towards veterans. So you're not going to take advantage of it for for personal travel. Yeah. Um, now, well, there, there's a there's an ulterior motive, Nev, to the crew having active duty military board in a previous, in a, in a, in a category, you know, priority one or, or category one or whatever you want to call it, group one. Um, and it's a security thing that, that tells the crew when, when uh, group one is boarding exactly who those capable people are that they're going to turn to in the event of an emergency. And I'm not talking sure terrorism being the extreme, but even even just a very uh, simple emergency where they have to, um, they would need a, a medical emergency or they just need to evacuate the aircraft quickly. That um, it, it helps the the military members out because usually we have, we're packing so much stuff. Oh my gosh! Like I usually have to go on there with four bags, and there's a baggage uh, waiver for me to go on there. So it's great for me to have some some room. But uh, but it helps the crew out and identify those individuals that are uh, trained in in critical 
thinking in stressful situations and they they take note of that of where where those individuals are sitting yeah so Armando we're going to stick with you for the next story and uh, stay over in the US and uh, this is American Airlines yeah speaking of American Airlines so <laughs> they have they canceled a hun- uh, hundreds of flights through at least mid July as the company is striving to maintain service in the midst of this massively increasing travel demand while the coronavirus pandemic continues to recede in the United States. That's according to a spokesperson from the airline. They said the first few weeks of June have brought unprecedented weather to our largest hubs, heavily impacting our operation and causing delays, canceling flights, disruptions to crew member schedules and our customers plans that combined with labor shortages. uh, Some of our vendors are contending with and the incredibly quick ramp up for customer demand has led us to build an additional resilience and certainty to our operation by adjusting a fraction of our scheduled flying through mid-July. So uh, these targeted cancellations, they add up to about uh, hundreds of flights through mid-July. On Saturday, American Airlines had 120 cancellations, and the company is projecting 50 to 80 cancellations per day uh, going forward here through the through the near future. Now, industries across the industry, uh, across the country, have struggled to hire employees as the economy attempts to return, to a pre-pandemic normal. Now, customers who have been booked through July 15th will be notified or all, or have already received notifications and if their flights have been canceled so they can make those travel adjustments in advance. That's according to the airline. They also said that cancellations will be spread throughout its system to minimize the impact in a single area. Although uh, there will be a bigger effect at Dallas-Fort Worth, which is American Airlines' uh, biggest hub. And even just earlier today, I was talking to Megan and um, the CEO of Frontier Airlines said, hey, if you see a deal, scoop it up because um, for all the same reasons that American Airlines is having to cancel their flights, um, they're going to face um, some staff shortages um, in in the next couple months. So, um, yeah, there you go. That's, uh, you know, I guess part of coming back from Mm -hmm. this from this downturn that we had. So the next story, Uh, this one comes to us from Flight Global, and this is all about Embraer. And it's good news if you're a fan of their aircraft, because Embraer are hopeful of a turboprop launch in 2022, commercial aviation chief said. So the Embraer is pressing ahead with its plans for a new turboprop airliner and is eyeing a program launch next year. Aljan Maya, chief executive of Embraer Commercial Aviation, says the airframer has been more and more vocal in recent months over its intentions for the market. Embraer is still very much focused on the segment, and we are still working on a turboprop and hope to launch the program in 2022. He told Webinar today to celebrate the first delivery of uh, E195-E2 to Helvetic Airways. Uh, Last year, Embraer showed updated renderings of its design that now shares the same fuselage cross-sections as its current E-Jet family. Service entry is likely to be around 2027-2028 time frame, he says, and it will really stand apart from other products out there today. 
Uh, Maya says Embraer has also uh, selected the turboprop as a platform of the future, uh, f- allowing it to be uh, more, or allowing it to add more sustainable solutions to later iterations. He said uh, that does not imply that the airframe is moving away from jets, but that it views the turboprop as an ideal fit for new power or propulsion technologies. I mean, and let's be honest as well, you know, with um, the way things are at the moment, short-haul trips and stuff between various places in Europe and here in the UK are, are more are going to be more and more popular and are popular now. So, you know, to, move, to make these small hops, it's obviously going to be a lot more cheaper to, uh, to have a prop aircraft, uh, you know, on these routes. What do you think, Nev? It's beautiful. I love the look of it. Mm, just nice, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think... Um, of course, the other thing is that uh, I, I'm a big fan of regional operations uh, like this. And um, no, I, I think that uh, to being able to operate an aircraft uh, inexpensively uh, over shortish distances, I think, is a, is a, is a great thing. Um, although, as our final story might suggest, <laughs> uh, some of those distances can be too short. This is right up your alley, this story, Matt. Beans, you are a resident uh, ex-coach uh, driver. Well, I'm not an ex-coach driver. Well, just, you know, I'm, 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 I don't know, coach driver in waiting. Is that, yes. is that, is yeah. that the word? I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, slightly unusual story. This uh, and the headline uh, from airliners.de: Lufthansa replaces its shortest route <laughs> with a bus service, not an Airbus. Uh, see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, Lufthansa is ending its shortest route, connecting Nuremberg to Munich. According to Google Maps, the 68-mile uh, as the crow flies route between the two airports takes one hour and 38 minutes across 167 kilometres. That's 100 miles by car. According to airliners.de, the route will be replaced with a bus service between the two airports. The Lufthansa Express bus will take two and a quarter hours to connect the cities, according to Aerotelegraph. Before the pandemic, Lufthansa offered up to four daily round trips between Nuremberg and Munich. The connection was used almost exclusively by transit passengers who switched uh, to international flights in Munich as an, an, as an analysis by airliners.de from 2019 has shown i mean sure i i mean my my big my big issue here is just like i mean what i mean realistically if it's 68 miles how long will that have taken in an aircraft oh 10 minutes yeah (laughs) that's gonna say yeah i was gonna say okay (laughs) obviously it's gonna be one of those flights where it takes far Mm. longer to check in mind you i suppose if it's a transit flight then of course you haven't got all that checking stuff have you? Because it'll be it'll be transited yeah, from the aircraft. Gotta, you still got to be there an hour before and all that. You know, it's yeah. Right. It's what well, even on a transition. Going, well, sometimes yes. I remember. Uh, in, if you can remember the days of when we used to book our uh, this is before the internet, probably as well. Uh, we used to book our um, airfares through travel agents, even our business travel. I, I did through that, and I was given a, a book of tickets. I was I was going to various places in Europe, and there was a flight that was from Brussels to Antwerp. Now, uh, this is not a, a very long distance at all. This is going to be a seriously short flight, um, but it was the, the book of those you know tear out tickets that you used yeah. to have. Um, so I've turned up at Brussels Airport at a ridiculously early time, and I couldn't see the air, um, the Antwerp 
flight on there at all. It was just nowhere to be oh, seen. Oh, no. Ridiculous. So I went to see the uh, ticket lady. She said, oh, no, it's a train. It's not, not a plane you've got there. It's a, it's a train. <laughs> but it was on an airline-style ticket. Right. Uh, so I kind of assumed I was getting on a plane. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, that was uh, on a train, I have to say. Uh, which, which would still, trip on still the frankly, would have been an awful lot faster than... Yeah, and I love my buses, don't get me wrong. But if it's taking... What, was it, what did it say there? That it was going to take um, uh, one hour, 38 minutes by car... Um, you know, but if you go by the bus, it's the much faster option, not of two and a quarter hours to connect the two cities. I mean, ugh. you say, and that is a serious factor if you've then got to be, you know, you've still got to be at your other connecting flight within what, two hours or whatever in order to get your, you know, in order to be sure to get your ticket and stuff. I mean, what happens if there's traffic? I mean, I don't well, you know. can't I, fly over it, that's for sure. Well, no, quite. Indeed. Even if you are on an Airbus. Indeed. Anyway. Yes, there we go. So, <laughs> I just, I, there's nothing I can I say know. to that. Next. So that brings the commercial news segment to a close, guys and girls. Thank you for that. Well done this week. And uh, moving on to our next part of the show, which is all about the social medias. So for those of you guys and girls who follow us, on social medias, especially Facebook, will know that every Wednesday we pop a little picture up uh, for our caption this just for fun. Now this week, because Armando is back with us, we uh, we have run a military special picture for this week's said caption this, and we had again this week lots of lots of interest in this particular picture. Um, I'm not quite sure what you would have to ask uh, Armando which particular jet this is, but uh, this uh, particular jet in oh. question is um, flying above the sea at probably hmm, ten, Carlos, ten, ten I'm going to stop your your stream right now. Oh, my. That's it, a F-14. Yeah, that's what F-14 I said. I said F-14, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, yeah, Matt just pulled my mic down when, when oh, I said geez. that, you see. I didn't touch nothing. Anyways, don't, don't blame go me. on, Carl. Yeah, you're, so you're on your this, uh, <laughs> for those of you listening to the audio podcast, this picture shows an F-14, <laughs> military boys, military, yeah. uh, F-14 uh, flying above the sea. Many man points have been lost about that, you that, feet. <laughs> And uh, f- uh, trailing from this F-14 is a guy on a ski or uh, water ski. One mustn't make assumptions. Or a girl, a guy yeah, or a girl. Absolutely. Or it could be a dog. Alfie could be on there uh, oh, on right. the skis. Um, it's it's an interesting picture, I <laughs> Mr. will say Mr. that. Mr. Warner said, uh, I'm disappointed that you don't know what this is. I bet even Matt knows. Uh, um, I'd love to be able to say yes to that, Jonathan, and join in Matt, on the fun. No, he did but I really, really can't. He I did, really can't. <laughs> anyway, come so on. So we've, some... we've had some answers in, and yeah. uh, I'm going to kick things off. This one's from John. And John says, Coast Guard trial, fast response, winch <laughs> operator, or as it's now called, dope on a rope training. Right, okay. Richard says, and there's me thinking Jet Ski Airways was the new Russian airline. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> Go on, uh, Nev, do you want to take Stuart? Uh, Stuart says, uh, to quote co-host Matt to Carlos, bet you can't do that <laughs> in explain. I bet you can't. <laughs> I bet you can't. <laughs> Armando. Uh, Kevin says, I booked a jet ski ride, not a bloody ski with a jet. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Uh, David says uh, Baywatch 2021 style. Yeah. 
Uh, go on, Nev. You take this one from James. That's, that's right. Yeah, James says that British tourists are going to extreme lengths to avoid quarantine rules when returning from <laughs> holidays in mid-list countries. Uh, uh, Matt says, not our Matt, but another Matt here says, when the research budget into formation wake surfing for fuel saving gets a bit out of hand. Wow, OK. Uh, uh, Nev, I think you should take this one. You're going to have to take the next one because my one-note thing is just decided okay. to... OK, splendid. Uh, uh, so Neil says... Due to social distancing, the pilot and navigator must be at least two metres apart at all times. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jake, uh, Jake here says, the Navy's new display for 2021 air shows, the Kamikaze Jet Ski. <laughs> Armando? Uh, Daryl sends in, I feel the need, the need for speed. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, Paul says, quite simply, because I was inverted. Now, Paul actually sent in a picture uh, which he's doctored oh, of our cashiness to right. go with his uh, quote, because I was inverted. So if Matt's going to put that, there we go, on the screen for those of you watching this. What on earth happened there? <laughs> I mean, that's certainly subpar flying, is it not? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised how the jet wash is kind of... Yeah, I, I... yeah. Oh, right. So we, we've got some uh, comments coming from the chat room here. Uh, you never know, Richard Adams saying, you never know what you'll catch if you drop your hook in too early. <laughs> I like that. That's my oh, favourite. Tony one. S says, that's Maverick at the controls. Probably from the new movie. <laughs> what new movie? Is there one? Yeah, there, there is one coming. May, uh, Mayman Micah says his caption would be, Faster, Dad, faster. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is would... it Micah driving? Yeah, 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 definitely. That would be the ultimate in, like, you know, fun for if you've got kids, you know. Oh, come on, have a go, Anita. I mean, clearly you're not a parent. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Armando's, you know, the probably the most chilled out person here when it comes to the sort of, you know, risks and parenting. I'd mean, love I'm, to see I'm if I'm you not entirely, hang on I'm not entirely sure thing. jet skiing off a jet is, or, you know, or, or um, what, what, what am I, water skiing I, off a jet, you know, I mean, come on. So I do believe there is a video out there of it's, I think it's either an Icon A5 or a Sea Ray towing a jet, uh, a wakeboarder towing a, a water skier. Okay, John, you need to find gonna, that before, gonna have the to end of, it, yeah. before the end of the show. You need to have found that. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Right, uh, br- that's br- your next your, your project for next week, Armando. <laughs> when you when you're next in the jump plane, we want you to do no, some um, serious not. skiing, no, no. jet skiing. Can we do yeah, something sure, else? Surely nobody around here that works in a three letter agency called the FAA would notice at all. No, <laughs> nobody, nobody would spot a thing at all. Oh, dear. Wow. If Armando's not here next week, guys and girls, right. you'll he's been why. arrested. That's why. <laughs> so, moving on to the next part of the show, Armando, I thought we'd hand things over to you. Well, I'm going to let the video and the audio speak for itself. We've been talking a lot about DC3s over the past couple of months. So, Matt, if you're ready, let's uh, play this out. If you're listening to the audio version of the show, head on over to our YouTube channel and check out this video that we're playing out. Now, if you're a show supporter via Patreon or PayPal, you're going to receive a link with some additional footage that isn't included in the regular show. Now, in this video, you're going to see a progression for what we here in the U.S. is uh, called a type rating in this particular aircraft. Now, other countries use the term type rating 
for aircraft-specific training that may not be required here in the U.S. Now, that's unless the aircraft is 12,500 pounds or more, and there's a few other exceptions and stipulations. But really, most of the time, we only need a category and class certificate, such as airplane single-engine land or airplane multi-engine land. Now, that doesn't mean the insurance carrier may not require different training requirements. Now, this particular training was for a second-in-command type rating in the DC-3T, or a turbine DC-3. Now, there are a few manufacturers that converted the DC-3, uh, some were professional aviation, Braddock Air Services in South Africa, but the most well-known is probably Basler uh, turbine conversions. They're up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, to this day, Basler owns the type certificate for the DC-3T. Now, for our purposes, when we talk about the DC-3, we include all variants of the DC-3. Now, that's the DC-3, the C-47, C-41, C-17, or C-117, the C-53, the R-4D, and, of course, the BT-67, which we're flying in this video. Now, this also includes the Lizunov Li-2 and the PS-84, which were Soviet-made DC-3s. Uh, they were made in Moscow, and believe it or not, almost 5,000 of them were made. Now, going back a little bit in history, DC stands for Douglas Commercial. DC-3 was the culmination of a development effort that began... Uh, after an inquiry from Transcontinental and Western Airlines, or TWA. That was to Donald Douglas. Uh, TWA's rival in Transcontinental Air Service, United Airlines, was actually starting service with the Boeing 247, and Boeing refused to sell any 247s to any other airlines until United's order for 60 aircraft had been filled. So TWA asked Douglas to design and build an aircraft that would allow TWA to compete with United Airlines. Now, Douglas's design, which was the DC-1 in 1933, was promising. That led to the DC-2 in 1934. The DC-2 was a success, but there was room for improvement. Now, the DC-3 specifically resulted from this telephone call between American Airlines CEO C.R. Smith to Donald Douglas. When Smith persuaded a reluctant Douglas to design a sleeper aircraft based on that DC-2 to, to replace uh, some of American's older airplanes, and the DC-2's cabin was 66 inches wide, which was just a little bit too narrow for side-by-side -side berths. Uh, Douglas de decided to go ahead with the development uh, only after Smith informed him of American's intention to buy at least 20 aircraft. Uh, this new aircraft was engineered by uh, Arthur Raymond over the next two years, and actually the prototype was called the DST, the Douglas Sleeper Transport, and that first flew in December of 1935. Now, this airplane with uh, Douglas Chief Test Pilot Carl Cover uh, at the controls it first, first flew actually on December 17th, 1935, which was the anniversary, 32nd anniversary of the Wright Brothers' uh, first flight at Kitty Hawk. Now, this cabin was 92 inches wide, had a version with 21 seats instead of the 14 to 16 sleeping berths of the DST, and this airplane was given the designation the DC-3. Now, believe it or not, there was no prototype for the DC-3. The first ever DC-3 built followed seven DSTs off the production line and went straight to American Airlines. So, total production of the DC-3, including all military variants, was an astounding 16,079. 
As of today, almost 400 of those still remain in commercial service. Now, there were 607 civil variants of the DC-3 built, but there were 10,048 military C-47s and C-53s built in Santa Monica, California, and Long Beach, and Oklahoma City. That included the R-4Ds. 4,937 were built in the Soviet Union, as we mentioned earlier, as the Lizunov Li-2. Now, that actually started as a PS-84 or passenger airplane number 84. And this is a little-known fact. 487 were developed by or constructed by Mitsubishi Kinsei aircraft uh, in Japan between 1939 and 1945. Now, this particular airplane that we're flying in the video, this is actually a C-47. It was serial number 13342. It was a C-47A that came out of Oklahoma City in 1944. Now, this particular aircraft went to the U.S. Army, but it was quickly transferred to the Royal Canadian Air Force, where it served in and around Saskatoon until 1970. It then went to Atlas Aviation as a cargo hauler. Uh, that's when it was issued its first civilian airworthiness certificate. It stayed with another company in Sault Ste. Marie, there, believe it or not, it was actually leased to a, a company, Tropical Air Services, in Barbados for years. So it went from Canada to the Barbados. Um, but while in Canada, it served with Atlas, Airedale, Great Northern Freight, Enterprise Air, and Triumph Airways all the way up until 2010. Now, in 2012, Basler Turbo Conversions took hold of this aircraft and began its conversion process. Five years later, it went on and served with a company called Airtech. Now, this aircraft does, or this company does uh, geophysical surveys, and actually this aircraft was on skis and flew, uh, I think, to both po- to both poles, but uh, I know certainly it went to Antarctica because uh, there's some great pictures on, out on the Internet on it. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Basler conversion itself. Basler conversion gets a new cockpit. It gets a fuselage stretch, uh, new wingtips, new nacelles, new fuel tanks. gets about 800 gallons of, of jet fuel. It has structural reinforcements, and of course, probably the most famous modification is uh, getting Pratt & Whitney PT6-67 turbine engines. So that removes the old radial engines. Now, according to Basler, what this gets you is low acquisition costs, low operation costs, heavy payload capability, excellent short field capability. It's quiet. This aircraft, as opposed to the original DC-3, is certified for known ice. This gets modern avionics. It gets uh, additional conversion options. Now, you, if you just Google the BT-67, you're going to find all kinds of different modifications. And we'll talk about some of the missions a little bit later, but, but there's some really cool pictures out there. Now, compared to the original DC-3, this aircraft gets 35% more interior volume, uh, 43% more useful load, 24% more speed, more fuel capacity, lower stall speeds, and lower approach speeds, which I got to admit was pretty nice when you're coming over the fence at about 85 miles per hour or so. Now, the BT-67 itself has a turbine DC-3. They've got so many missions out there. They've done Antarctic and Arctic flights. They do executive transport, maritime patrols, smoke jumpers, uh, cloud seeding, believe it or not. I believe that's with the Thai Air Force. Um, They do firefighting. Uh, medical evacuations. They do some special op- military special operations. They uh, 
do they use them as general cargo aircraft of course up north i think in in canada ken boric and some other car, uh, cargo operators um the uh, u.s government has used them for drug interdiction programs they do geophysical survey like i talked about um, environmental research insect control many many targets uh, they could go on now some of the operators of the bt-67 um now, there's, there's about 70 aircraft out there, and that's just the Basler ones. That's not counting some of the, the other manufacturers that have converted them. But uh, here in the U.S., there's there's quite a few um, airplanes operating in paratrooper, paratrooper training, oil spill cleanup, uh, environmental research. But some of the coolest missions are actually out in Africa. The Mauritanian Air Force, the Malian Air Force, uh, they use them as uh, military transports uh, for people and personnel. There's companies in South Africa that are uh, using them for survey missions. And then, like we mentioned, up in Canada, Ken Boric Air and Cargo North, CGG, they are operating them for both uh, polar operations, some environmental research stuff, and then some like just straight-up cargo operations. Now, one of the coolest missions that this airplane does as a turbine DC-3 is the Colombian Air Force. If you if you Google the AC-47, now that airplane is a turbine DC-3 outfitted with uh, with uh, intelligence and surveillance systems as well as some guns uh, sticking out the side to take care of some uh, counterinsurgency operations and some uh, police missions out there. And speaking of police, the Colombian National Police also has a couple BT-67s. Um, let's see, what else? The El Salvadorian Air Force, the Guatemalan, Guatemalan Air Force, uh, Ecuadorian Air Force, all operate them as, as cargo aircraft. And then, like we said, the, the Thai Air Force does firebombing and cloud seeding with them. Now, this airplane was an absolute dream to fly. It was uh, super easy to fly. It was challenging in some crosswinds. But if you want to see some of the training videos themselves... Head on over to uh, Patreon or PayPal and uh, give a little bit of a donation to the show. It doesn't have to be much, but you're going to get a link, like I said earlier, to some of the training videos with a wonderful instructor that I had from Basler uh, Turbo Conversions themselves. But here you go, guys. That's just a little bit of history and uh, current operations for the aircraft that I'm flying for this company. All right. Well, there you go. That is a little bit of DC-3 flying for you guys. I don't um, you have to go down the gym as much, really, with you, because that's quite a workout <laughs> in the cockpit. You definitely, the chat room was talking about that too. Yeah, you definitely threw around, one, there, were, there was one particular thing that was called, like the, they called it the Basler Shuffle or something like that, which is as soon as soon as soon as you land in a crosswind, you, you end up with your your uh, one hand on top of the other hand and you have to still like switch hands switch the grip on the yoke and then reach over to the throttle quadrant because you're going to go into beta and reverse and then you end up with your hand your bottom hand on top and the yoke is 180 degrees upside down because <laughs> you're using adverse yaw to keep the airplane straight while going into into reverse into the in the pt6 so it's a it's definitely a hands-on airplane but i <laughs> I wouldn't say it was particular. I'm gonna jinx myself. It wasn't particularly challenging. It was just active. 
Indeed. It's uh, I'm yeah. in, incredible. Uh, thank you for sharing that, though, Armando. Such a cool experience. Uh, Tony S. To the share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Is, uh, he says he saw Dakota at Duxford a few weeks ago. Beautiful sight and sound. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as yeah. much as I love this airplane, you got to admit the radial engines, um, just like it's sitting here behind me, uh, there is just a, a particular sound. And, and a couple weeks before I flew this airplane, I was flying that Stearman. So a radial engine an open cockpit is even better but there's just no replacement for that kind of sound but nice um hey so our producer john is an amazing individual and he has managed to find a couple actual videos of people water skiing behind airplanes so i believe this first one is from an air cam uh which is a twin en- believe it or not twin engine float plane with an open cockpit and matt if you've got the video go ahead and play that Okay, that broke. That's good. We'll try that again, shall we? <laughs> I mean, wow. Let's see, no, no water skiing there. So I'm not sure this is. So there's a different kind of water skiing. This is uh, perhaps not what we were shooting for. Oh, there, there, we, go. Go. there we go. There we go. Yeah, this is it. Here we go. Look, way. This is yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So this... Describe this. So, so this is. Um, so what's the plane <laughs> that's doing the towing here? So th- this is a cub or or some version of a cub. It could mm. be a carbon cub or a, or something like that. But there is actually somebody water skiing. I mean, they're they're probably tied to the tail hook or the uh, what do you call it? The tow hook for banner towing. I mean, or I glider mean, towing. <laughs> I mean, the, the the irony of the fact that there was a boat alongside them traveling at the same speed. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was from Glorified Unbreakable, apparently. Now, we've got a, a second video here, which is uh, Hummer Hump Day, is the is the description on this one. And uh, Joe is uh, water, water water skiing behind a plane. So here, here we go with this one. And this is, uh, so this is a, a little seaplane by the look of it. Yeah, so this is a mall. Uh, yeah. It's either a mall M4 or M5, I think, on floats. And uh, this gentleman, first of all, the water looks beautiful, doesn't it? It does, yes, absolutely. Would, it never looks like that in the is. UK. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, I mean, people are just doing this for the sake of it, though, right? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, this is an ad for a brewing company. Apparently, we're being told in in our, in our ears here, a Shorts Brewing Company, which is just. It's just crazy. I mean, I did do water skiing, actually, believe it or not. This will be a shock to a lot of people, but I actually did go water skiing. And the idea of being towed by an aeroplane, frankly, is, awesome. is, yeah. is terrifying. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. Anyway, well done, John. In the time that we had that segment, the videos were located and downloaded. So a little polite round of applause, well done, I think, John. for our producer. Well Thank you. Uh, right. OK. Uh, Armando, uh, we have some important stuff to do. Yeah, so I don't think we've hit our acronym limit for the day, so I'm going to go ahead and throw some in there. Uh, If you guys are ready for some military, let's do it. Let's do it indeed. Let's see, this first story comes to us from military.com. The United States Air Force believes that it can sustain and upgrade 92 of its oldest C-130 military transports, even as it aims to downsize the overall Hercules fleet over the next couple years. That's according to the top military brass. 
During a Senate Armed Services Air Land Subcommittee on Tuesday, the Air Force reiterated its budget plans to reduce the C-130 fleet to 255 aircraft in the near future from about 300 that it currently has. Of those 255, 163 would be the newer J models that the Air Force already has or are on order from Lockheed Martin. That's according to the Deputy Chief of Staff for Plans and Programs in the Air Force. And he added that 92 older H model aircraft could receive uh, necessary modifications to keep them viable and flying. He first disclosed these figures at a House Armed Services Subcommittee on Sea Power and Projection uh, earlier this month. Now, the service also maintains that some special mission C-130s, such as the EC-130 Airborne Communications Jamming Aircraft and the LC-130 Skibird, which I think is operated by the New York Air National Guard, um, that airplane can land on ice and snow for Antarctic missions. Uh, it's not immediately clear how these aircraft would be affected by the potential downsizing. However, in fiscal year 2022, in their budget, the Air Force is already looking to mothball 20 of the oldest C-130s uh, H models, which includes two EC-130s, those are the Compass Call aircraft, and five MC-130H special operations aircraft. So venerable aircraft, but I think the uh, they're probably seeing that the J model is so much more powerful and so much more efficient that when you put them side by side with the older H models, I don't think there's much of a comparison. So there you go. And, and the J models are bigger too. They're longer than the traditional H models. So they can fit an extra pallet in there. There we go. As you do. As we do. <laughs> so this next one comes to us uh, from edition.cnn.com. Uh, U.S. warplanes fly first combat missions off foreign aircraft carriers since World War II. So United States Marine Corps fighter jets aboard a British aircraft carrier flew combat missions over the Middle East this week. The first time U.S. warplanes have gone into combat from a foreign warship since uh, World War II. The United Kingdom's Ministry of Defence uh, said uh, this week and the missions against ISIS also marked the first combat for Britain's new aircraft carrier HMS Queen Elizabeth. The largest ship in the Royal Navy has uh, has ever put to sea and the first combat action for a British aircraft carrier in a decade. Captain James Blackmore, commander of the Air Wing aboard the Qu- uh, Queen Elizabeth, said the last time US planes flew combat missions from a foreign aircraft carrier was in 1943 when American planes deployed from uh, Britain's HMS Victorious in the South Pacific. Uh, this one, the US uh, F-35B jets flying against ISIS were joined by similar warplanes in support of the uh, UK's Operation Shader and US military operation Inherent Resolve. A total of 18 US and UK F-35Bs are embarked aboard the 65,000 tonne Queen Elizabeth, the largest number of the advanced warplanes ever deployed on one ship. Uh, The Queen Elizabeth is leading the UK's carrier strike Group 21, which is on a seven-month 30,000 mile or 48,280 kilometer mission that will take it as far as Japan and South Korea, including an uh, expected transit uh, of the South China Seas. So, uh, good news. Obviously, uh, this uh, particular aircraft carrier from the UK did take a little while to uh, get to where it is now due to certain uh, issues with water egress, or ingress, I should say, uh, onto the ship. But it's good to see that it's finally uh, doing what it should be doing 
and uh, deploying aircraft from the seas. But it's good as well, Armando, to see that uh, you guys are uh, getting used to flying off a a real man's aircraft carrier. Oh, careful. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm sure those initial troubles are just, you know, water under the bridge. But uh, yeah. The, uh, no, this is incredibly important for both countries because as you guys are on your shakedown cruise of this uh, aircraft carrier, you're getting the experience of the marine aviators uh, and vice versa. The, the F-35s, the U.S. F-35s are probably getting a, a, a great dose of English breakfasts and tea and, and why on earth you would eat baked beans with your fried eggs. Um, and. <laughs> I'm kidding. I miss it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's an incredible learning experience for everyone involved. And I, I can only imagine that these these folks after uh, seven months are probably going to end up being lifelong friends. I bet they're enjoying their smoked bacon as well. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. And apparently this particular aircraft is the USMC F-35B that Mr. Warner's just sent us. Yep. Yes. There we go. Sad. Literally hot off the presses. And that that boy, honestly, he's so good. I know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I just I, somehow we need access to his library, but like you know, much quicker. <laughs> well, as long anyway. as we remain friends with him, we will have. Access well, the good to point, him. good exactly. point, well made. Absolutely. <laughs> if he keeps doctoring photos like he did last week, <laughs> then that beautiful friendship could come to an oh, end very quickly. But anyway, so Nev, uh, uh, we're going on to uh, some different kind of powered aircraft yeah it's interesting isn't it to see how much uh, new technology is being employed in in military sectors now this is on the interesting engineering.com website and uh, it says that virginia-based hybrid electric aircraft firm electra has signed a contract with the u.s air force to develop its hybrid electric propulsion systems for electric ultra short takeoff and landing Uh, aircraft the company announced in a press statement Uh, the phase two small business innovation research contract awarded by the u.s air force is directly aimed at shortening the time to market for advanced commercial aviation technologies Electra is thrilled to be working in tandem with the US Air Force and its innovative Agility Prime team to accelerate the tech transition of eStol into the commercial marketplace, said Ben Marciona, who's uh, Electra's Director of Technology and Innovation. These next-gen low-carbon systems will solve several critical defence-related capability gaps whilst leveraging affordable commercial marketplace solutions, he continued. Electra's unique selling point is an aircraft that leverages a distributed hybrid electric propulsion and blown lift to take off in less than 150 feet. Electra's blown lift technology sees the aircraft electric motor-driven propellers blow air over its wings, allowing takeoff uh, speed below 30 miles an hour and cruising speeds of up to 200 miles an hour. In a separate statement, Electric said the aircraft is designed to carry up to seven passengers and a pilot as far as 500 miles whilst operating out of areas shorter than a soccer field, including rooftops and parking lots. Electra's aircraft will use a turbo generator to power eight electric motors and charge a custom battery during flight. Uh, The propulsion system produces 150 kilowatts of electrical power and features a small gas turbine as well as a gearbox, generator, rectifier, control system and software. The company said it plans to um, perform 
ground tests this year before conducting flight tests in 2022. Electra hopes to release its first commercial aircraft, which should carry seven passengers and a pilot for up to 500 miles by 2026. This is very interesting, isn't it? Using uh, blown lift technology for uh, ultra short uh, takeoff, Armando. That's uh, is this the first time this sort of technique has been used? Do you think, or have other other mm. people tried this? Before? No, believe it or not, I, I think uh, every almost every aircraft has uh, well, at least propeller aircraft has a uh, um, a certain amount of lift produced by airflow over the airfoil that um, that can be calculated it's 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 uh it's incredibly noticeable when you lose an engine and you realize that there that that uh that that airflow over the wing is is not there and the other one is still there and the airplane wants to roll t- to the left or the right but it's a it's a concept that's been around but they are they are capitalizing on that that airflow for this particular aircraft yeah interesting great um, let's see. We'll go to the next story. This is about EAA's AirVenture 2021, which we continue to talk about. Now, that's only about a month away now. Um, Oshkosh will play a host to a powerful collection of U.S. Air Force and U.S. Navy military aircraft this summer. Uh, Oshkosh AirVenture 2021 is scheduled for July 26th through August 1st. Now, we already talked about the Air Force Special Operations Command uh, attending, and they're scheduled to uh, be one of the title exhibitors for AirVenture. Um, other miscellaneous military jets and helicopters will be traveling to Oshkosh either to fly in for the daily air shows or be on static display. So the initial list is out. And here are some of the aircraft that you're going to see at Oshkosh. So A-10s will be performing close air support demonstrations during the air show. The F-16 Viper demo team uh, will be performing their air show. Desert Storm 30th anniversary aircraft. Can you believe it's already been 30 years? So that's going to be F-15Cs, F-15Es, F-16s, Apaches, Blackhawks, Chinooks. They're all going to be on static display. F-18s, EA-18s um, on static. There's going to be a C-17, a KC-135. A U-2 is going to do a flyover. One of my favorite aircraft in the in the world, the, the uh, Airbus A400M uh, from the Luftwaffe is going to be on static display. Um, so, again, head out to Oshkosh this summer. It's going to be a great show great comeback. Um, but mentioning F-16s, I love our chat room. Thank you, Myla, in the chat room. F-16s, Dutch F-16s just do just uh, flew their final farewell tour. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name of the route, um, but a group of F- uh, fighter jets, uh, F-16 fighter jets flew this famous route um, on Tuesday morning information as the uh, aircraft are being replaced by the F-35. So go on social media, and there's some pretty cool pictures of of those uh, Dutch F-16s making their fail their farewell tour. Oh, sad! It is sad. It's I the- remember the Dutch F-16 guys at Riyadh were a blast to hang out with. <laughs> I bet, I bet they were. Yeah, because they're, 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 they're the ones who had the music at the end of the day going, and there's beers everywhere. Oh dear! Yeah. What a shame. The Dutch. The Dutch C-130, I can't remember if it was a J model, but the Dutch C-130 has a pallet, roll-on, bar, and disco. It's got a full, like a what? disco yeah. light. It's got speakers, the whole deal. They literally winch it off the airplane what? onto the ground. <laughs> and uh, and I think on the inside, they, they have uh, another pallet full of uh, 
Do you know we we essentially got to know you like one year too late, didn't we, Armando? <laughs> this is this is the harsh reality of of the stories that you tell here. We we got to know you like literally one year too late, didn't we? <laughs> well, you know what? I, we're making up for lost time now. No, I know, I know. But uh, oh my goodness me, what what an experience though! I mean, you must miss stuff. Like, I mean, like, you know, you've you've got a great life outside of the military and stuff. But that, I mean, stuff like that you must really miss. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, but you know what? I'm really, really happy that there are young guys that have that opportunity now. And trust me, they especially now after the pandemic and everybody's been sort of on lockdown. Those guys are, are going to take full advantage of the uh, perks provided to them at air shows all, yeah. all over the world from every Air Force, not just the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, indeed. Amen to that. So, Armando, you got the last one, which is a really nice story, actually, for the last one. Uh, yeah. So this is, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, the U.K. And, and Remembrance. A Battle of Britain hero's nephew took to the skies in a hurricane to pay tribute to his uncle who was shot down and killed. David Carruthers sat in the rear seat of a converted Second World War fighter as it took off from Biggin Hill in a moving memorial to Flight Lieutenant Ian Muirhead. Uh, the Flight Lieutenant uh, Muirhead, he was a 27-year-old RAF pilot who died when his hurricane crashed into a field in Hempstead near Gillingham on October 15, 1940. Um, the sound of the hurricane engine operated by uh, the Biggin Hill Heritage Hangar filled the skies above Kent again, as David set off on a commemorative flight uh, yesterday. He said, it's very daunting to go up in an 80-year-old airplane, but it looks in beautiful condition. They're absolutely magnificent machines. It really does make me feel connected to Ian. I never sat in a hurricane before, so I can't imagine uh, feeling uh, any closer to him. It's absolutely great. Now, Ian joined the RAF in, uh, when he was 16 years old in 1929 as an aircraft apprentice fitter. Uh, and by the start of the war, he had trained as a pilot in 1936, joining 151 Squadron before being transferred to 605 Squadron. Early in the war, Ian served at Wick in Scotland, protecting the skies around the naval base. Um, and from there, he moved uh, over to RAF Hawking, and uh, he was sent into the Battle of France with Ian receiving a distinguished flying cross for his bravery during that campaign. He was shot down near Ostend, but managed to scramble back to port boarding the SS Abukir, which was torpedoed and sunk, leaving Ian stranded in the water for five hours before being picked up and making it home. After a few weeks in hospital, uh, recovering from his injuries, he was back up in the skies. But his final mission came on October 15th when he was shot down for a third time. He was hit by a Messerschmitt ME-109 near Maidstone and landed at Speaks Bottom in Hempstead, where he was unable to bail out and died near his aircraft. The flight and memorial stone erected in the field where Ian crashed was organized by Spitfire author Greg Davis, who lives in Hempstead just minutes away from where the hurricane came down. Uh, it was unveiled on Remembrance Day last year, but due to COVID restrictions, only Greg and fellow organizer Mike Fry were able to attend. So I'm glad that, that these guys were able to, uh, to honor him uh, this week. Actually, it's worth noting, Armando, on that story that that, that particular aircraft there at Biggin Hill, they um, you can have a 30-minute flight in that aircraft, and um, you get uh, obviously the flight in the aircraft um, covering sort of the local area, and it will cost you for 30 minutes two thousand nine hundred and fifty pounds, which is around four thousand US dollars for 30 minutes. Yeah, 
not all hope is not lost because uh, keep your eyes on social media. I know last year the British Aerobatics Academy ran a raffle, and I believe it was a hundred pounds per raffle ticket for a thirty-minute flight in that aircraft. So mm. if you look around, you may you may get it for a hundred pounds or, or or so, which is well well and truly worth it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, thanks for those stories. That's good. Uh, good this week, military segment. Uh, so well done to you all. So uh, we're going to start to uh, wrap up the show now, but we're going to uh, sort of have a bit of a run round as to what we're all doing and all of the hosts over the next kind of weeks. So we'll start with you, Armando. What's uh, what's on the plans for this week? Well, happy Fourth of July to all my friends here in the U.S. Oh, it's a yeah, holiday weekend. Yep, it's holiday weekend, so not a lot going on for me. Just kind of uh, the family is all. Enjoying, I think we're going to head over to eastern North Carolina, uh, go from this lake to another lake, and hang out with some friends out there on a military uh, Fort Bragg. <laughs> so anybody who's who's been in the military knows Fort Bragg. But we'll be out there, and uh, not a lot of flying, but probably a lot of lake time this weekend. Hmm. Nice, nice barbecues and fireworks. Winning, what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Nev, Nev, what's going on in the world of uh, of you this week? Well, a quieter week I'm, I'm hoping for, I must say. It's been a very hectic one uh, this week. Got a couple of things lined up. And uh, then, of course, on Saturday, we were going to go to Portugal. Uh, but, of course, we're not doing that now. So we're going to Edinburgh. Really? Is there something? something go- did something happen there? I, mean- <laughs> I, I believe so. I believe so. Uh, so we're off to Edinburgh for three or four days. Oh, oh lovely. So. Um, but it'll be just tying up for you loose ends for work. I have a good trip, week. Nev. Nice to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I take it you're you're you're, uh, you're trooping up there with the good old BA boys. Indeed, yes, yes, yes. We have to be uh, very supportive at the moment. They need every mm. single fare they can get. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going up there. Uh, on Is that three nineteen? Uh, it'd probably be a three nineteen on the way up and a three twenty on the way back. Okay. Usually. Nice. Why does it change just out of? It depends on, on the load levels, really, right, okay. um, and also it depends on where the aircraft have come in from and, and, and that kind Fair of thing. Fair enough. So, yeah, okay. uh, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm just noticing that those, um, so those one-hour flights now to uh, you know, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Belfast, and probably Inverness and Aberdeen, they're, they're getting a little bit busier now, finally. Um, so uh, that, that's good news. But, mm. of course... As we come into the the summer proper, um, it's it's the the bit it's the time of the year where the airlines need to make their money. Of course, and this the is the thing, the isn't season, it? It's isn't it? it's the season yeah. that it's the, it's this normally busy time of year that essentially yeah. keeps everything ticking over during the winter, doesn't it? As, you know, it's. Uh, well, have a lovely yeah. trip in one mm. seat one A Nev. Thank you. Yes, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> and uh, Matt, what's going on in the world of you this um, week? Busy? Not a lot. I've I've got uh, this was my last week in CHT this week, so I'm looking forward to going back to my de- joining my delivery chums. Uh, I'm spending all day shouting at Yodel. Although you'd be surprised how much of that was actually <laughs> done, um, even in CHT. Uh, so yeah, so it's been a it's been a it's been a tough old week. I will tell you what. For anybody who is, and, and, and I, I, I push this towards the um, aviation industry as well here, anybody who is answering phones to customers at the moment, I doff my cap to all of you because one of the things that I've learned over this last month is when people phone up, when they when they phone that, that number that's on the website or that's on their ticket or whatever it is, the person on the other end there 
literally has no idea what mood that person is going to be in, what they're going to talk to you about, <laughs> and what it is that's gone wrong. So mm. I tell you what, if anybody, you know, if I could give anybody a bit a, a bit of a tip, we all want to help you. Just 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 be nice to them because you'll probably get a far better response than if you go all go all off shouty. So you know, if I could give any, if I could ask all of you to be, uh, you know, if I could ask everybody to just be a little bit nicer to the call centres when you call them, because you know, it's, a, it's, a, t- it's a tough old job, and I know people are usually getting in touch because something's gone wrong and they're cross, I get that but like, you know, just, just bear in mind that, you know, there might there might be, you know, somebody who we actually know on the end of that phone <laughs> yeah. who's got to have their ear bent as a result, I've had some horrible customers this week, I really have <laughs> Anyway, by the by, nothing to do with aviation. Sorry. <laughs> no, nor is my coming my week. I'm going back to work Monday. I'm back at work Aww. Monday. Woo-hoo! Well, so, you, you, uh, yeah. you are based on an old airfield. Yes, I know. It'll be nice to get back uh, back up to our RAF Harem mm. again and my my office. So that'd be nice to get back to work and uh, yeah, get back into the swing of things again. Yeah, so the weather's nice and and breaking news. Well, not breaking news. It's, it's you guys know, but I have actually got my first wedding disco to do ah. tomorrow night ah. my first in over a year wow that's big news it is i know that is big news it's uh it was yeah it was it was kind of worrying se- yeah. uh, session yesterday afternoon of getting all the equipment out yeah. to make sure it make sure all, all worked. still works absolutely yeah, yeah what, what so. would have happened if it didn't i'd have probably rung you up yeah, all right. i'm glad it was all <laughs> just, uh, just make but, sure all uh, the pedo tubes are uncovered oh i will <laughs> i will but absolutely um, yeah. So social media links saying guys and girls we wrap up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, don't forget to search for us and follow us on uh, social medias. WhatsApp number that number plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six if you want to get your picture on the green screen behind me and Matt here in the studios and also Armando as well. Uh, the website all the dot com on there you'll find the links to our shop where you can treat yourself to a t shirt if you haven't already got one. We've got loads in stock. And some mugs as well. If you want a PTUK mug you can grab one of those on there as well. You'll also find the links to Patreon and uh, uh, PayPal as well if you fancy donating a few pennies to the show which all help uh, to to uh, support the show and move us forward, and also including link... some exclusive videos that are available yes, to it, our yeah. pay, Patreon and um, uh, PayPal yeah. uh, subscribers. Subscribers, so, yeah. yeah. If you become a Patreon uh, donator or a PayPal uh, donator, you will have access to those awesome videos, as Matt said from Armando, which are pretty damn cool. Indeed. I will say. And there's also the link on there for website for uh, for Amazon as well. If you do your shopping through us, uh, it all helps to uh, send us a little referral fee. So that's awesome. So that's about it then, guys email. and girls. And uh, email, yes, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com if you want to send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We would, If you absolutely. are listening to this show and mm. you are not a live YouTube viewer and you are a listener of the audio show, we'd love to hear from you. So send us an email, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and uh, we'd love to uh, he'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. So that is where we're going to bring episode 373 to a close. Massive thanks to all the YouTube live chat room this evening. Thank you to everyone. You have been absolutely awesome as always and not forgetting as well 
everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast. Thank you to you as well. So take care, everyone. So from me, Carlos, here with Matt in the P2K studios, from Armando in his glorious studios in Charlotte, and from Nev in his fantastic uh, studios in Buckinghamshire, and not forgetting as well, John, our producer, who does all the background work as well. Big uh, thanks to him as well. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend, and see you next Friday. Bye, everyone.